0: And hello to the FitPro community. My name is Aaron Barnett and I am the Head of Education and Development at FitPro. I coach other trainers and practitioners as well as work with a rainbow of personal clients and teams and today it is my privilege to sit opposite Debbie Sargent and talk about female performance and in particular the menstrual cycle and performance. Now Debbie, You've been active um, at the UK SCA, the UK Strength and Conditioning Association, since 2008. And that's a community that I and the team have admired for a real long time now. They're the driving force in the UK and beyond in athletic performance. And within that, Debbie has focused her attention and her passion into what is now becoming one of the hottest topics in health and performance and the fitness industry, which is training females as individuals. Now, Debbie, offline, we've just got to know each other um, a great deal and you've got a great story. You've got lots of passion. So why don't you share a little bit about yourself and what you do?
1: Um, yeah, hi. Um, I currently uh, work as a uh, sport and exercise lecturer at the University of Gloucestershire and I've been here for a couple of um, years now um, and we have a um, postgraduate and undergraduate course in strength conditioning but we um, have other sports science related courses and um, sports therapy, nutrition, sport and exercise science as well. So we kind of input across, um, all of those kind of courses. Um, before I came here, I've been a coach in terms of performing athletes for about 20 years now. Um, and I've kind of always worked in higher education, but I've, and I've always been a strength and conditioning coach, but I've had other roles as well, which have involved um, me looking more holistically about um, athletic development. So I've had like performance director roles and kind of setting up support systems to kind of help athletes as well as kind of SSE coaching. Um, So um, I've worked across a lot of sports. I suppose I've been exposed to lots of different contexts, lots of different coaches with different philosophies. Um, So I guess some of my interest in female athletes has pretty much come from one being Um, a competitive athlete athlete myself and just being interested in like you know how my own menstrual cycle has kind of affected my ability to train and compete Um, but I've worked a lot with female athletes as well in terms of um, trying to understand them as individuals and trying to kind of um, understand their menstrual cycle and and, and use it positively to affect their training and training adaptation that they get Um, and so I, I, I guess I of how I got into this whole kind of area really was um I started to kind of feel you know, i'm a really reflective practitioner and I started to kind of think about how I was coaching and I was coaching a lot of male only groups female only groups and mixed groups and I started to question about how i how I was coaching and whether I did things differently either consciously or subconsciously with the groups that I was working with um and I was asked to do a presentation and I chose to do it on um perception of pain and um And that was really interesting for me because one of the things that I remember reading at the time wasn't anything to do with strength conditioning, but it was to do with um, referral, um, hospital referrals for people reporting pain. Um, And there was one paper that was talking about um, if a female reports pain versus a male reports pain, the perception is that um, male the same degree of pain that was reported must be a much higher level of pain in males rather than females. And whilst the referral rate or the referral path was the same, guys tended to be flagged more quickly to to the kind of appropriate course of action because of this perception. So that kind of triggered loads of things in me about, How do my athletes report pain? If a guy reports pain or training stress, do I perceive it in the same way as females? And it just started me on this spiral of just investigation and exploration. And I started to ask other coaches about it. And it was just really interesting that people had different philosophies and different thought processes about about it. Um, And interestingly, a lot of the people that I was coaching with were males because strength conditioning is a very male-dominated profession. So um, I guess I saw a disjunct between what I was feeling as a female and a female coach versus what guys were reporting. So that led me down this kind of like rabbit hole of just trying to understand that a little bit more. And in doing that, I realized that there wasn't anything there for me to to act as a resource. Um, So I guess that's how I kind of got interested into the whole female athlete training Um, discussion really.
0: Okay, cool. So the first question that really that I'd I'd like to know is uh, in general, what impact does the menstrual cycle have on fitness and performance?
1: Um, I think that's a really interesting question. I mean, the first probably key point there really is, you know, world records and Olympic medals have been won across all stages of the menstrual cycle. In reality, the menstrual cycle affects people differently. Um, So, um, it's a very unique um, experience and between individuals that's really different. So, um, for some athletes um, they will just, their menstrual cycle will come and go and they'll just train through it and it won't affect their daily, you know, what they do on a day by day basis in terms of training. Um, And the mood disturbance that they get is probably not affected very much. Whereas you've got other athletes that can be very debilitated by the menstrual cycle um, and are in huge amounts of pain. Um, They get big mood disturbances. So um, between individuals, the impact on performance is going to be very different depending on which type of athlete they are. And I would even say within the same athlete, they're you know, there's differences in consecutive menstrual cycles. Um, So if you were to measure someone's menstrual cycle, that wouldn't necessarily mean that they would have the same experience, the next one or the next one or the next one. And we know that the menstrual cycle is really affected by exercise, it's really affected by energy intake, it's affected by stress. So again, there's a whole host of things around an athlete in terms of how Um, their ability and what maybe support they have around them to help them um, with those other kind of lifestyle issues. Um, So across the season or across a periodised programme, the impact on performance can be really different. Because there'll be times when they are in high stress environments. There'll be times when they are in extensive periods of um, training, high volumes, high intensity training. So to answer that question is really, really difficult. Um, the other thing I would say is that if you go to the literature to try and find some answers, you will find as much literature telling you that you don't the menstrual cycle doesn't have an impact on performance as you will find that says it does have an impact on performance. Um, there are also some areas of um, athletic performance that have very little research on them so plyometric based speed based change of direction based activities tend to not have very much literature on them at all um, so if i go on that basis what that is telling me is that i don't need to consider the menstrual cycle when i'm training athletes if you talk to athletes um, and you work with female athletes i think anecdotally you can say that for some athletes it does have a really big impact so there's a, obviously a mismatch there between what the literature is telling you and actually what happens practically. Um, personally, I think the reason for that is that the, the studies that have included female athletes in them have been really poorly designed. To actually know how the menstrual cycle is going to affect performance, you have to measure the hormones involved with that. So... Predominant hormones are estrogen and progesterone. There are other hormones as well that are relevant to training, such as testosterone, growth hormone, um, and, and other things. But um, you have to measure the hormones. Um, and very little studies do that. So that we, don't, we need to know exactly where someone is within the menstrual cycle um, and what the hormone levels are to know what the impact of those hormones are. They are really powerful hormones. Um, but research takes a long time. It's really time. It's really um, expensive to do because you have to measure these hormones. You have to have the facility available to you to be able to measure these hormones. In terms of responses to to exercise programs, often the data, often you'll have male and females in the same group, and there's a group effect reported. So you're not really going to see the effects of the menstrual cycle, and often data is not reported individually as well. So if you go to the scenario where you've got Different female athletes; one's really affected by the menstrual cycle, one's not so. One's not affected by the menstrual cycle. Unless you report individual responses, you're not really going to get a gauge for how much it can or how little it can affect someone. So the range of response. Um, and then the other thing is the whole, the measuring the hormones um, point is really relevant because you need to screen for menstrual dysfunction as well. So I think there's a whole host of things in terms of the research design. Um, personally, I think the menstrual cycle can have a, a big impact on performance, um, but I don't think the literature is there to kind of help us with that. I think there's another couple of things that are really relevant here is when we talk about impacting on performance, the menstrual cycle um, can affect um, psychology and mood. Um, and it can also potentially affect physiology. And I think trying to separate the two of those effects is really difficult in terms of um, and the area is really complex and um, but as a coach just to give you an example of um, if the menstrual cycle affects mood um, there are probably things that I can do within my coaching and um, the way that I interact with the athletes the way that I set up an environment and um, the way that I plan training cycles that can accommodate changes in mood um, and mood affects behavior as well. So I, it, there's definitely a thing there um, in terms of that's going to affect someone's ability to train, someone's ability to push hard, maybe even some, someone's ability to actually turn up to train um, on a consistent basis. Um, but you've also got physiological changes um, and what are they? Um, so, And how does the menstrual cycle affect those? So as a, from a coaching point of view if there wasn't any change to physiology that would affect performance, I could respond to mood changes in terms of how I set up training and how I interact with that athlete. But it's a different scenario if there's physiological changes and there is also mood changes. So um, I think, how, how does it affect? I think there's those two things that are going to affect someone's ability to train and how they might respond to training.
0: Okay. I mean, yeah, so, you know, there, there are we've talked about it, what it sounds to me is like a lot of the, the impacts can sometimes sound quite negative and are there like are there positive and negative impacts to uh, the you know what stage through the menstrual cycle that a an athlete or a, a person is and, you know, what are they and, and what are the, kind of what windows can you can you work with for kind of best practice
1: yeah. So if we just take the um, mood um, thing for, for, for now is is in terms of the menstrual cycle, there are basically two phases of the menstrual cycle. There's a follicular phase, um, which is pre-ovulation and that includes um, your time of bleeding. So that inclu- includes the, the, men- the menses or the menstrual bleed. And then you have a luteal phase, which is post-ovulation. Um, and um Premenstrual syndrome is like negative, almost like negative effects of the menstrual cycle. So the the kind of the cramping, the kind of feeling irritable, all of those kind of things are premenstrual syndrome. And in the luteal phase, which is a post ovulation phase, um, almost every athlete or every female will experience some negative mood state associated with the, that luteal phase that can continue into the start of the follicular phase when you're kind of on your menstrual bleed. Um, So the follicular phase is probably where you have your most positive mood states, where people are probably more ready to train. They can push harder. um, They're going to recover quicker probably because of the maybe physiological effects in there. And and the more negative states are in the luteal phase. Um, There is, there's been some studies that have looked at mood um, disturbance across the menstrual cycle um, and they've used something called profile of mood states and there's basically um, six different mood states they look at that they rank from a, a scale of naught to four um, in terms of intensity so you're looking at tension anxiety depression anger and hostility bigger activity fatigue and confusion so clearly if you're training someone there are elements of that that if um, they are experiencing high levels of depression or high levels of fatigue that's going to have a massive difference in in kind of performance so if we if we look at those things and actually if you add all those things together you could get a gauge for total mood disturbance in your in your athletes or your clients and um, but generally if we have a look at that just to pull out a few examples of in terms of figure or your almost like ready, readiness to train, the follicular phase is when you're probably going to have more energy to train and you're going to have less, you're going to feel less fatigued. Um, so you're probably going to have to train really hard. Um, in terms of confusion, um, they rank more highly towards the end of the luteal and during your menstruation or your, or your period. So again, from a, from a coaching point of view, um, that's probably not the time to be introducing really complex skills and complex drills um so and because they're just not going to be able to focus their attention on kind of those things um and the other thing i suppose is like depressive states are much more pertinent during and um, the end of the till and the and the menses phase so um again as a coach um you know if you're having to deliver difficult messages um you know that might not be the time to do it when someone's confidence is really low I think in terms of we're you know we're a people industry and we work with people so and um, people skills are really important and I know in the strength and conditioning world you know there is banter that goes on in the gym that that's what you do that's how you build the relationship and that's how you set your motivational climate to kind of get people to working hard um but if you've got somebody who really struggles with premenstrual tension and they've got quite high depressive scores at that point in time then their, their ability to take that banter and take it in the way that it's intended is is sometimes really difficult um and I think um what we shouldn't be doing as coaches is trivializing that um, you know, I know that some people say, "Oh, you know, she's just on a period or whatever it might be," but it's probably not the time to kind of trivialise. Or and so, think just thinking about what you're saying and who you're saying it to might be quite an important thing. So, I definitely think in terms of even if you just look at the mood, um, kind of uh, things, just understanding your athlete really in terms of um, how 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 does the menstrual cycle affect them? And I think a lot of people in a coaching environment respond to athletes when they come in in terms of it's quite reactive of you know they're not on their game today or they're a little bit fatigued so we'll, we'll accommodate training but I think if we start measuring the menstrual cycle and looking what every unique experience is there's an element of prediction that we can have there so if we know that one in every four weeks one of our athletes is going to be really struggling, their energy levels are going to be really low, they're going to be quite emotional, quite teary, then we can start planning around those things Um, in terms of content and also how we um, interact with our athlete as well. So in terms of moods there are definitely windows of opportunity where you can set up your training environment where you demand higher intensity efforts and you're probably going to get them and there are other times where technically you might see like they might technically might become a little bit um, disorientated um, and they can't really attention and focus on things that you want to do so again that might reflect the content that you kind of give and physiologically there are also you know, the hormones are really kind of powerful hormones um, and there are potential kind of some just general things about what the hormones do that in some instances could be a good thing, a positive thing. And in some instances it could be a negative thing. So just to give you a few kind of examples there of, um, in the follicular phase, you have high levels of estrogen. Um, You do have estrogen in the luteal phase as well, but you also have something called progesterone and the the effects of estrogen and progesterone are antagonistic. Um, But what estrogen does is it makes you a better fat burner and it it promotes carbohydrate storage. So in the follicular phase, you are going to have, you're going to be a better fat burner. So that has two consequences from a coaching point of view in terms of windows of adaptation. Um, If you have high levels of estrogen and you are carbohydrate storing, then that's potentially going to affect your ability to do high intensity exercise. So that could be strength based training, it could be change of direction, speed based, plyometric based training. Um, I suppose the positive side of that is you're going to be more resistant to fatigue. So you might be able to do more work before you kind of, you um, know, that you know you get into a level of fatigue that you don't 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 want, and training becomes um, non productive. Um, so. There are definitely substrate changes across the menstrual cycle that affect um, your ability to exercise. Um, In general, oestrogen is really um, positive for... There are oestrogen receptors over muscles, bones, tendons, ligaments, so they're going to affect all of those tissues. Um, But oestrogen is really important for muscle-building activities and it also prevents muscle protein breakdown. So when estrogen is high, you're probably gonna respond to and adapt to muscle building activities like strength training much better and your recovery rate is gonna be better because you prevent the protein breakdown. Progesterone encourages, it's a kind of catabolic hormone, so it encourages you to break down protein. So again, if you're thinking about windows of opportunity, that follicular phase which is before ovulation is where you are really sensitive to anabolic kind of stimuli and we kind of see the importance of that because people who have lost estrogen either through menopause or maybe relative energy deficiency syndrome um, their muscle mass and their bone mass and everything deteriorates quite quickly so we know that estrogen is really important for muscle building activities and um, the other thing that's quite important here as well is. From a performance point of view is um, estrogen also increases joint laxity and um, so um, at times with really high just before ovulation you get a really um, that's where you get your peak estrogen levels and there are some studies out there that kind of show that at that time where you have more joint laxity you're more at risk of things like ACL injuries and things like that. Um, now Injury or ACL injury is multifactorial. There are loads and loads of things that can kind of affect or increase someone's propensity for that kind of um, injury. Um, But in high estrogen levels, joint laxity can, and and some athletes seem to be more sensitive to that than others. Um, So at that time, um, that's probably where you need to be really on it as a coach in terms of supervising your athletes to make sure that the movement patterns and the quality of movements are going to be um, accurate with that. Um, you might want to take maybe like, or maybe do less kind of really intensive change of direction, plyometric, that kind of work because you've got increased joint laxity. Um, and then the other thing is with um estrogen is that it reduces tendon stiffness. Now, on one side, that's a really positive thing because it means that female athletes in general who have a normal menstrual cycle, um, get less muscle strain type injuries, um, because the tendon takes up some of the slack with that. Um, but we know that tendon stiffness is really important for plyometric based activities, for speed and change of direction activities. So on the one hand, oestrogen can have a positive effect on muscle strain injury, but on the other side, it might have a detrimental effect on performance. Um, But again, it becomes, it comes back down to knowing your athlete, know um, how much these hormones affect every athlete that will determine what you kind of program for them. And in terms of progesterone as well, progesterone uh, causes an increase in body temperature. So in the luteal phase of your menstrual cycle, um, we kind of get changes in temperature um, that might affect our sleep quality, for example. So um, athletes might be able to recover less because their sleep pattern is disrupted but also it might affect and this is theoretical it might affect our ability to train in things like heat and it just increases the cardiovascular strain of certain types of activities um there's also some theoretical things in terms of it elevates ventilatory responses and it increases rpe for any kind of given workload um but they are theoretical but there are certainly um things that kind of go on in the menstrual cycle that could affect performance um and knowing them and working around them might be quite useful the other thing that is really important obviously for athletes is looking at things like power to weight ratio and body composition um, and um there are some interesting um coming back to the mood things and the mood disturbances is that um energy intake changes across the menstrual cycle as well so um just before your period and whilst you're having your period you're more likely to suffer from kind of food cravings and um, where you're more likely to eat like sweet fatty foods and have higher energy intakes so at certain times of the menstrual cycle and that is related to mood as well so people that have extreme premenstrual tension or syndrome are more likely to have these food cravings so if you're working with populations where weight is important maybe they're doing a weight restricted sport or body competition is a a consideration, um, then again, there there are patterns of energy intake that um, could be measured um, or reported by athletes that would allow you to kind of um, help them manage that and manage their weight around that.
0: Cool. I mean, look, what comes out to me is there is such an importance in knowing where... um, uh, client or an athlete is in the men's cycle. you know for for many of us particularly talking from a male perspective it's quite tough um, sometimes for some guys or, or girls to approach this subject i mean how far do you think we should go um and you know uh, and what do what is the best practice that you would suggest um as far as when we're working with our clients
1: yeah um I, I've kind of got a theory around a, like a three-step process. And I, I, I think this is really a key thing here is because like, it still, it still is a really taboo subject, the menstrual cycle. And for some populations more than others. So if you're working with different cultures, if you're working with different age groups, um, the conversations around menstrual cycle can be more challenging for, for those reasons. Um, but I think the reason why we struggle is that People don't know about it, and they don't know what questions to ask. Um, no one really talks about it, you know. Um, and in in kind of coach development pathways, there really is probably zero um, education around this issue as part of any kind of coaching development. And even undergraduate courses, um, you know, students get, don't really get exposed to the differences between males and females um so I think there's a thing about education there's a massive thing about education in terms of educating parents athletes um you know recreational exercises coaches and and the whole of the support team around an athlete about the menstrual cycle and potentially how it might affect somebody and and I think we need to um and I think People involved in research need to keep developing the research arm so people have somewhere to go for this kind of information. Um, But just getting people talking about it, you know, making it, normalising it, getting people talking about it, getting people having intelligent conversations about it. But you've got to do the educational part of that to allow that to happen. I suppose the data that I'm collecting, I'm constantly amazed about how little even The athletes themselves understand about the menstrual cycle, and I think partly that's because they just accept that they're female, they have a menstrual cycle, and that's it. They just accept it. It comes and it goes, and it affects them or it doesn't affect them, and they never really talk about it. So athletes don't talk about it, Um, so they don't know whether they've got a normal menstrual cycle. They don't know whether they've got a um, like not a normal menstrual cycle, Um, and I think a lot of a lot of the time. We just need to get the athletes thinking about it and and logging it. So, you know, something really simple that we can do is just educate them about why they might want to from their own. um, You know, if we can improve, um, if we can individualize training programs better, if we can manipulate the training environment better and we can help them achieve whatever goals they have quicker, because we understand them and their menstrual cycle, then they're probably they are really interested in it. And they will probably start telling you things. If you just say things like, right, okay. Um, I want you to just, you know, log down in your training diary day one of menses. Okay. So we get to know how long you, how long your cycle is for a start. Um, we can see how that changes across the season. Cause we will do it all of the time. We can start logging things like how you're feeling. So what are your mood disturbances? What are your own personal thoughts around how it affects your training? Um, and what, what are the symptoms of your menstrual cycle, um, and I, I think that education is really important because I think, I think as a coach we sometimes end up going down a rabbit hole um, of investigation when people report symptoms to us that actually we don't need to go down. So I'll give you an example. So um, we all know that um, stomach cramps are probably one of the main um, uh, physiological effects of premenstrual. Te- uh, syndrome. Um, But you can also get backache. So um, if I was working with an athlete and they reported backache, the first thing i will probably do is try and get them to see a physio, try and get some kind of exploration, investigation about why the backache might be happening. Um, That might come back as that, that athlete's got an undiagnosed back problem, which is probably going to increase the anxiety of me, the anxiety of the athlete. So it's not going to be a good place. But if my athlete is reporting their menstrual syndrome symptoms um, that might be one of the symptoms that they just experience once every four weeks um, and as long as we understand that that's just part of your menstrual cycle that actually there's no underlying kind of like negative connotations on training um, then we um, we know we can just train through it it stops me going down a complete course of action that's not relevant and it's much less anxiety causing for the athlete concerned Um, so I think the education side is really really crucial Um, the next thing I think is about if we understand that it's something that we do need to consider then we need to think about how we're going to put it into, into action so there's another phase which is kind of systems and process so if you are working with clients or you're working with athletes what is your induction process is it part of your induction process what does it look like is it part of your monitoring data is it, um, is it part of your, you know, is it, is it a consistent part of your athlete coaching interrelations inter- and conversations that you have? Um, if you're working within a team and you've got, um, um, like a, a management team or in a club or whatever, you know, what's the gender balance of that, that those management people around that, have you got people on there? Is the menstrual cycle effects part of that discussion? So if you're taking a squad of people on camp or you're going away for a major competition these kind of issues in terms of okay um how does the menstrual how's the menstrual cycle going to affect this how is this going to affect team dynamics how is it going to affect mood in the camp etc we can start to plan kind of around those things um but it's about so it becomes normal it's just part of our induction process it's part of our monitoring process and this is how we do things so people don't feel like it's it's something that's just not normal. Um, And then the third thing is actually when we have those systems in place that we actually action things, which might be um, individualizing training programs. It might be, let's have a think about if we're going on a training camp, who are we gonna put with who? Um, you know, who are the people in our team who really struggle with P menstrual syndrome, who are the ones that are not, who are affected by sleep disturbances, etc. So I think there's a whole thing there, educate, then start to think about your systems and your processes, and then think about the information that you are gathering, then putting it into action so the athlete can actually see that what the information they're feeding into you is being used to benefit them and their training
0: a broad area there is so much depth to it. Um, and I think in order for, for us as fitness professionals in order to deliver um, this education to our clients, to our athletes, that I think we need a lot more conversation around it. I think we need a, a lot more um, education and workshop around this subject as well. I think um, it's something that needs to happen to ensure that You know, the 50% of our demographic, or maybe more, that come and see us every day, um, are looked after to the same effect that men are looked after as well. So I think there is so much depth, and we've we've learned a lot from you today. So. You know, I'm massively appreciating myself. I know that our listeners um, will be able to take a lot away from what you've talked about today, um, but I'm sure there's there's more that we could discuss, and I'm sure there's more depth that we could go into. So, you know, looking to move forwards with this conversation, would we would you be um, willing? Would you be happy to continue to dive deeper um, across our FitPro platforms?
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, like, uh, I I think it's really important to kind of message out there, get people talking, get information out there. So I'm really happy to and delighted to be involved in any in, in anything uh, moving forwards.
0: That's fantastic. Well, guys, you heard it here first. Look out for Debbie and more on this topic of female performance via our FitPro podcast, via our social media via our FitPro education and blog platforms, which is also all available on fitpro.com. But as I'd like to say again a huge thank you to Debbie. I look forward to sharing with you and the FitPro community again real soon. For more information about FitPro education and for details on FitPro membership and insurance, you can visit us at fitpro.com. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast and see you next time.